Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two what sports quote-unquote professionals giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. Thank you for sticking with us. I know we haven't seen you guys in a long, in a, in a little bit, a little longer than what you're normally waiting for, but thanks for being patient. We had to wait for this wild weekend of sports to wrap up so we could properly give you the content that you guys so deserve. As always, shout out Man in the Mirror, Buddha, JD Masters. Go check them out. That's our intro and outro music, YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream music, anywhere you stream this podcast like Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify. You can find them as well as this podcast. Evan, like I said, crazy weekend. Are you are, are you okay? Is your, is your heart rate down? Are you breathing normally? Were you able to fall asleep last night? Uh, it took me a minute. I'm not gonna lie. I had to sit around and uh, and you know, it was a it was a 11 hour workday yesterday for me. And Dom, I bet you can relate because Dom is currently uh, uh, watching Florida State uh, 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 do its thing in in, in the uh, softball uh, World Series, college softball World Series. So mm-hmm. I, I know you're I know you're you're getting it too. Um, but, but yeah, I, even after 11 hours, you would think, oh, well, he's probably, you know, exhausted and with the sports and everything else. And I just, I needed, I needed about uh, two to three hours to watch, uh, honestly, U.S. soccer highlights, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that in a little bit. No, we, and I think that's something that we're looking forward to as well, but we have to obviously talk about, uh, the NBA playoffs because we haven't heard, we haven't heard anything, you know, in the past couple of days, and you know, I'm just gonna come out here and address it. Like most Laker fans, guys, I'm gonna be honest, I'm not that butthurt about the loss. Like when when I saw us <laughs> in Game Five get shelled the way we did, I was like, okay, yeah, this is that's that's about normal. You know, you you went to Phoenix for Game Six, and you know, Devin Booker and Chris Paul did their thing again. I. I I think maybe if Anthony Davis was fully healthy, I think if you know Dennis Schroeder and like Kyle Kuzma and and Caruso don't, don't drop some goose eggs on us, things could have been different. But you know what? I'm I'm over it already. I was over it within like 12 hours. Good credit to the Suns. They're you know definitely a good team. They deserve to be in this position. And yeah, I, I'm just I'm looking forward to the rest of the playoffs. And I can I think I can enjoy it more. You know I don't have to worry about the whole drama of of the Lakers under or overperforming. I can just focus on the good basketball that we're getting. And that was apparent in the last two days of some of these second-round games we're seeing. Like, the NBA playoffs are are one of the best things in sports, and the talent that you're seeing is why. So, in itself, the sport is kind of the the best remedy for my my Lakers sorrows that I feel. Yeah, man. I mean, the Lakers fucking suck. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's that's no, yeah, no, they, they definitely <laughs> did in game five and six. That's a sad thing. I can't deny it. They definitely now, did in game now, five. No, it and was six. you know there's there's every every you know this all you know I can come from the perspective of following other sports dynasties like the Jacksonville Jaguars. No, I mean I mean Alabama, <laughs> um, and and the thing is that you have years that you're like fuck you know really the pieces are there 
you know, really this is a team that could win a title. But the you know if the if the chips don't fall right if you know with with injuries with just sometimes you don't you're you're not quite hitting all the clutch shots or your your you know the the pieces around LeBron and AD for example weren't quite good enough this year you know I mean it's it, it's just you know I I know your feeling I know what that feels like to be like yeah you know what well it's it's not this time I mean and 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 I think it's it was a slow burn like but not a hard one you know mm-hmm. because I mean the the Lakers have to do the play-in tournament, they've, you know, then then have to play the Suns. Like, from the jump, you know it was going to be a challenge out the gate, and sure enough, I mean, it, it, it the, you know, and credit to the Suns, too, though. I, I don't mean to take away from the, you know, it's, it's real easy to act like the Suns are, like, like, I don't know, like plucky underdogs when you're, when you talk about stuff like this from yeah, this perspective. Absolutely. But in reality... But but in reality, yeah, Devin Booker might be the best player in the NBA playoffs right now. I mean, it's he, he's he, he's wildly wildly like consistent despite putting up like you know close to Dame Lillard type numbers. Uh, and and DeAndre Ayton deserves a ton of credit too. That dude wrecked the series. Uh, uh, yeah, for, his, his, for the I Suns, mean, he he made Andre Drummond his bitch. Like there was yeah, nothing. Andre Drummond was not a fat. Like they could have been running out. You know whoever it, it really didn't matter and 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 honestly going into their their next series you know i mean i think that's going to be crucial if if he continues to play at that level then suns are going to be extremely tough to deal with um uh for for any teams whether it's you know the to me the current favorites favorites out of the west or the jazz now you mm-hmm. know i mean if even even they you know that's that's even Rudy Rudy Gobert might have some have some trouble with uh with DeAndre Ayton. So you know it is what it is. Uh, and 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 I know what that feels like, Dom. So, uh, but I I, I watched Game Seven and uh, watched it next to some Lakers fans, and the the same reaction is the one that you're talking about, which is just I'm dead inside. It's fine. You know I, yeah. I really I really can't care at this point. But it's like you said though, like I I think you have to go without mention is to give credits to the Sun as well, the Suns as well when you kind of get past your 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 soggy sorrows is because like two or three years ago Adam Silver wanted the the Suns owner and their management board to sell the team they were doing so bad like they they the progress and the future of a guy like Devin Booker was hanging in the balance, you know, like they didn't know what the Suns were doing, but they, you know, they bring in Monty Williams and he kind of figures things out. You know, he should be coach of the year. And if he's not, that's a crime because he's helped turn this organization around. The Suns are an actual contender. They're playing well. Like you said, all, all these big names that are meshing and playing well, Devin Booker. Yeah. It's, I think it goes without saying that the Suns are easily like a great story, which is, Again, another reason why I just think of why it's helping me get over the fact is like the Lakers didn't lose to a scrub. We were the underdogs, believe it or not, to begin with. We lost the two seed out of the West. I'm all right with that. Whatever. You know, it's heartbreak after heartbreak, but I got over it. And quite frankly, like you said, like the Jazz, the Suns, the Nuggets, three teams still left in the West. That's a awesome conference that we're going to get in these con- I don't know who's going to be in the conference finals for the West but the way things are shaping up and playing out in the second round whatever it is whatever that matchup is it's going to be awesome it's going to be such electric talented awesome basketball oh yeah I mean the the from here you know it's we've trimmed the fat so to speak at this point you know I mean it's everyone that is uh still playing at this point very much is feels com- you know very very competitive and not just on the west but in the east as well so uh it's 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 we are we are now 
really cooking. You know, we we we've served the appetizer. You got your side salad, and uh, we're 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 about to get to the main portion here soon. So it's a or you know, in some cases, we're already in it. I.e., you know, I guess we can just transition into this real quick. The Hawks beating the 76ers in Game One of uh, and dude, we're at a point now where you have to wonder: Are the Hawks like? Is this is this real? Like, well, is this... I think the question is like: Is, is Trey Young is is Trey Young gonna bring the Atlanta Hawks an NBA title on his own? Because I, I feel like that's what's gonna have to happen for for it to actually come into fruition. But like he's playing like he can absolutely do that. I mean, he's it, it is it is it's been awesome to see Trey Young. Like I, you know, I we've talked about this before. Trey Young is kind of developing his himself as as a villain in some ways because no one likes the Hawks, no one cares about the Hawks and and for for Trey Young to act like he's acting and you know what is kind of his first real, you know, what feels like his, you know, the the first real chance that the Hawks can do anything in the in the playoffs, you know, is it, it's obviously garnering some some uh some hate, but but at the same time, I mean, dude, if he's gonna if he's gonna go put up at least thirty five a game, which is basically what he's been doing, you know, every game of the playoffs so far, I mean, shit, like he, he gets to do that. And, and well, think about you know, it this way too, dude. Like on the other side, like Joel Embiid put up thirty nine in that game as well. So think of how awesome this series is. If you're getting that kind of consistency from two arguable, like I, I think Joel Embiid is that clear favorite for MVP, right? Right along with Dojic, but. Like Trey Young making his case right here, that's that's so aw- that's that's entertaining. As I said, like that that's the kind of matchups you want to see at this portion of the season. Watching two dudes ball out for thirty plus points every game of a series, yeah. That I'll buy a ticket in Philadelphia if I live there and had the funds to actually go to an NBA playoff game. Well, and not to mention too that this is kind of the uh, the. You know, the the thing with the 76ers coming into it was that, you know, obviously they had played a fantastic season in Joel Embiid. To me, I, I think they should just go ahead and give Embiid the MVP. I think he's very much deserving of it and, 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 and has improved his team more than anyone else in the NBA, at least yeah. from a record standpoint. Um, Absolutely. That being said, when it came to playoff time, you know, it was it – was, the 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 76ers were going to come up against teams that had more explosive guards pretty much you know just about every series i mean the you know i i like tobias harris a lot and i like the 76ers team like the 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 entire team i is a team i actually am kind of fond of but the fact is is that you know trey young is always going to be a more dynamic player than tobias harris is and on top of that, just about, I mean, shit, dude. If you, you can go down the line and, and think about the guards that they they will, you know, that, that they could potentially face the rest of the playoffs. And a lot of them are probably going to be guys that you would say are, yeah, just a bit better than Tobias Harris. So there's a, there's a little bit of a mismatch there. And then, you know, of course, the 76ers get to boast a mismatch with Embiid on the floor. But... At the end of the day, it's 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 it's, a, it's still you know the modern day NBA where you know if a big man is having a massive game, it can definitely change it. But if you've got you know your your pieces clicking from the backcourt and people are hitting threes and and making plays from out there, I mean it's gonna it's still gonna be hard for for the 76ers to deal with, and that's kind of what happened in Game One. Um, you know, I mean Clint Capella got bombed by Embiid, but at the end of the day. 
you know, the Hawks were able to keep pace because, you know, they, they, they really just have enough offensive talent to, to kind of, you know, to, they, you know, defense can be secondary for that team. Um, we'll see if they can consistently score to that level. I mean, they yeah. scored, you know, what, 128, 132 in that win? Yeah, so, one, yeah 128 in that. And I, um, I mean, the Hawks come out, I mean, their offense is just, I think the best word to describe their offense, and this is like very like a cliche baseball term, but it's scrappy. They're just a scrappy offense. And I think like when you're trying to put together that that amount of consistency production from you get from Bogdanovich dropping 20 plus Collins dropping 20 plus Trey obviously but the thing about the Hawks is what I like about them is I think out of any team because I, I think if you if you're using the word scrappy for any NBA's offense for any team you can't be thinking that's a long-term solution like that's not the a great way to describe if you're looking for a consistent offense that's going to win you playoff series. But they've already kind of proved it, and they did it in game one. If any team was going to be able to kind of defy those odds, I think it's Atlanta. And I think if they keep playing with that kind of role, that little bit of that chip on their shoulder, we could. this could go six, seven games, and who knows? They might fuck around and go win this whole thing. Like I think Atlanta has that potential out of any team in the NBA playoffs to kind of just keep playing that, that survive and advance basketball and pull off, you know, like the quote-unquote Cinderella run in these NBA playoffs. And I, and I think, obviously, leading the charge is because you have Trey Young. Now, if Trey doesn't drop at least 20 to 25, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm not not feeling good, right? But he's yeah. not showing us any signs that he's not going to at this point. So I have no reason to doubt the man. Yeah, I mean, in this series especially, it's definitely, you know, a case where you know, and I mean, pretty much every game the rest of the way, if the Hawks were to somehow make the finals and, and, and compete there would be, it would require, you know, an average of probably 35 points a game for, for Trey Young. Like I mm-hmm. said, like it's, it's, that's kind of necessary for the team, but you know, something I saw last night, I think perfectly sums it up is someone said, I think I finally get John Collins. That's all the tweet said. They were just <laughs> like, they, like, I, I think I finally understand like what he, what he does, like what, what he's good at. And, and, and the answer is scrappy. I mean, he was able to, he was matched up on Embiid a, a, a lot throughout that game and, and was able to, uh, to, 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 to work it. And, and at the end of the day, kind of had the, the, the exclamation point on the win, uh, with that, with the alley oop uh, at the very end, the dagger. And, and, you're, and so, you're never gonna stop a guy like Joel Embiid. Like you can't just yeah, stop you can. him. But you want what you do to get a win is you slow him down. And I think that's a be- that's hilarious. That is the best way to describe uh, John Collins. Is just be like, okay, that's his role. Like that's we finally figured out. Like oh, light bulb moment. That's what he is. He's just he's gonna slow you down enough so that Trey Young can get you a plus four scoring margin and go win the game. He's good enough. Him and Clint Capella are strong enough that you can't disrespect them. You know, you can't just disregard them completely. And uh, and so, you know, it it opens up, you know, a little bit more of an opportunity for Trey Young. But, you know, it's 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 fun to see. It's 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 cool to see. I mean, as a as someone who's, you know, I mean, basically the only NBA gear I own at this point is is Atlanta Hawks gear. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's it, I, I wouldn't consider myself a diehard fan. I'm not going to front, but, you know, it's it's really cool to see the Hawks not be depressing and to, you know, now I have to wonder, shit, like, you know, how far is this going to go? Um, the Hawks are like the Suns in the East, basically. Like, they're, they're, the, they're the story of the Suns, but just the East version of it. 
a depression yeah, franchise I mean, that's, that's playing well and has uh, and has young stars that are now all of a sudden very fun to watch. Yeah, I, I think that's a I think that's the best way to sum it up. And I mean, I guess to stay in the East, you know, other recent development is, uh, you know, James Harden gets uh, it gets hurt in the opening seconds, basically of uh, of uh, 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 the most recent game and yep, and game one of their series against the Bucks, which I I mean, like, listen, the. The, the Nets still go win by eight points against a very good Milwaukee Bucks team. Okay, let's just not let's not also let's not also disregard the fact that like you know Milwaukee is you know probably arguably better than the four seed. I think they were given whatever what they finished. But the thing is, is like I, I think if if you're gonna get quality playoff buckets from Kevin Dur- if, if Kevin and Kyrie play like you know playoff Kevin and Kyrie do. They should be on theory. They should be fine, right? Like I, I don't think this is even. I don't think it's even that much of a cause for concern right now. I don't think this is this injury doesn't sound whatever this aggravated ham, hamstring thing that James has going on. It doesn't sound like it's anything. Hopefully, long term, right? But I think for this series, say he's got to take the next couple games off. I don't sweat if you're if you're Brooklyn. Like you have the guys around James that you should be able to go win this series regardless. So I don't I, yeah. I don't I don't get as nervous and I don't really sweat that headline as much. You know I, I don't know how severe it is. They'll keep that close to their chest. But if you're a Nets fan, I, I think you can breathe some sigh of relief from just watching what they were able to do without Harden in Game One. Yeah, I mean if Durant if Durant gets hurt, it's a different story, right? You know, oh, I mean it's it's one of things, right? So crisis, but, crisis, like the the SpongeBob meme of all the SpongeBob's running around in his brain, like that's crisis mode in Brooklyn if, if KD goes down somehow. Well, I mean they're still two point favorites even without James Harden, who's not going to play. Uh, we're we're recording this on Monday night, and he's he's not playing tonight. Uh, they've already confirmed that on Sunday. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think you're right. At the end of the day, the Bucks just aren't really good enough across the board to, to that. It still really is going to be it, be a big deal for for uh, the Nets and and you know, hey, if you're gonna have a if, if you're gonna have a guard, you know, your star guard get injured and go out, you might as well have your extremely aging uh, power forward put on the playoff performance of. Like arguably the past like five or six years, at least in his personal career, Blake Griffin going absolutely ham in Game One. Uh, Bananas. That was that was that was actually super cool to see. I love yeah, Blake Griffin. I, 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 I agree. Mean, that was it was nostalgic. It had like it makes us feel old, right? Like we're getting nostalgia from Blake Griffin. Double here. double first double double since I think they said like 2015 or something like that. It's crazy, but. Uh, uh, so it's it, playoff double double since 2015, not <laughs> double double in general. Right, but, right. Um, so you know, I mean, hey, I mean that's the thing is that they are stacked. They are just so stacked, and 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 you know, really, if I'm a Brooklyn fan, even if they lose game two, you know, the 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 good news is is that you know they said hamstring tightness is like the diagnosis or something like that or whatever. You know, hamstrings can definitely be a bitch. You know, they can be lingering and they can be really, really tough to deal with, but they can also be one of those things that, I mean, Harden could be playing by game five, game four, yeah. game five. And it, so, it, it's one of those things you can either play through and you just have to deal with at the off season, or it does significantly kind of harbor your ability to play. I, I think that's the only tricky thing with the hamstring is you just don't know how sev- how severe or severe, excuse me, the injury is, the severity of it all. So it, the way they make it sound right now, 
It's like is that James should be good in a game or two. He'll probably just play through play through some pain and and, and if this series gets any closer, if the series is on the line, you best believe James Harden will be on that court. Uh, there's no question about it. Yep, I think that goes without saying. Um, was there any other NBA topics we should touch on, Dom? I think we just have to, you know, R.I.P. to because um, uh, we're Lucas stands. Just to one, just get, you yeah, know, R.I.P. to yeah. Lucas season. Um, I think know, I was sad. trying to avoid it. Yeah, it's I, I, we have to bring it only because we're just we're Lucas stands, and uh, it's just sad to see it go. Because you felt like maybe Game Six they could pull it off, but the Clippers, you know, they. They were like, they. I think they woke up. They're like, oh, okay, actually, we're really good at the game of basketball. We have a really good, talented guys on this team. We should probably like stop fucking around and go win a series. And they did in Game Seven, and it was convincingly. Like there was never a moment where I thought, like, maybe this game is in jeopardy. Other than it, you know, past the first yeah. quarter, obviously, and you know, the, the Clippers were right there the entire time. They took the lead and never looked back. And you know, it sucks. It sucks, too. But here's the other the, the thing that the storyline that bugs me about this game is that I, I don't want to. Christoph Porzingis apparently has came has come out and, and vocalized his frustration, saying he feels more like a co-star, doesn't feel like he, he's a main role player. Then, brother, you got to do something. Go out there and produce. I mean, I, I'm trying to I'm pulling up the, uh, the the box score of it right now. So Porzingis dropped 16 points. Uh 11 rebounds total, so a double-double, right? But we've been following the playoff series all throughout our, our podcast here. And, like, every every time we talk about Dallas, I'm sitting here saying that Christophe Porzingis has dropped barely double-digit points, barely getting double-digit rebounds. He wasn't doing anything to contribute to the why the Mavericks could even move on to the second round. So... Miss me with that bullshit, Kristaps Porzingis. Miss me with that bullshit about you trying to feel, you know, like you should be a main player. That you are co-star. You are the co-star. You're the you're you might win best supporting actor, while Luka Doncic, like Leonardo DiCaprio, your entire career while he's there in Dallas. Yeah, it's a it's it's simply a bewildering uh, comment to make. I mean, it's it's. It's just, I or, or, you know, kind of development, you know, at the very least, because, I mean, I think if you talk to any NBA fan, whether they're, you know, hyper attentive or, or just casual, like a casual fan, you know, they are, they would tell you, well, yeah, I mean, Chris Ops isn't, you know, the idea was that maybe he would be, you know, the full-fledged star that the Knicks expected him to be in right. Dallas. You know, a change of pace, maybe, you know, that uh that that would that would create that 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 environment for him to do that, but it hasn't happened. So, I mean, you can't I and don't Luke, really Luke understand. still dropped 46 too. Like in order for the Mavericks to even stay competitive in that game, yeah. Luka had to go drop nearly a 50 burger. So, again, where and I'm not, this this goes into the entire rest of the, the Mavericks on um, where you can spread this fall, right? But Kristaps is going to get more of this of this wrath from me is because he's brought it upon himself. You, Luca is was playing out of his mind this series, and the fact that we had to go to Game Seven and you go lose in Game Seven while he drops almost fifty. I mean, there there the proof is in the pudding. It's all right there. Like that, that sign seal delivered. Rest your case. Kristaps, don't I just don't want to hear that from there. It, it, bewildering was a great word to describe it because I don't think he could ever make that argument without me laughing right in his face. For sure. Uh, well, what I was going to say too is that you know to further slam this point home that it's all Luca uh, is is seventy seven points uh, scored and assisted. 
uh, in in a is the is the most in in Game Seven of NBA playoff history, uh, which is what he did uh, yesterday. And then on top of that, you know, dog, it's it's one of the craziest stats to think about. I mean, he he's only played I guess in like two series now, but Luka Doncic has never won a home playoff game. It's so crazy. I mean, it's it's such a crazy like like idea that that's that's happened and and he's put up the you know the the I mean I think we're on four or five different games in the NBA playoffs where he's put up over 40 points I mean I I don't there were people that like kind of started to look at slander on Twitter yesterday like slandering Luca you know for 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 that or whatever and saying well I don't you know it's fine he can score all those points but I I don't think he can get the job done or whatever it's like bro Luca's literally giving every single ounce of, like, like of there, juice there, there, he has. He he did find the 101%. Like, I know it's only physically possible to give 100%. The whole 110% is just cliche. No, Luca did find an extra 1%. Where he did, I don't know. He's just Luca. He can do that kind of stuff. He literally found the extra 1% to put the team on his back. But, again, it... You're going against a very good team. The Clippers are very good. You can't just have a one-man army against the L.A. Clippers. Not when you're getting Kawhi Leonard dropping 28, Marcus Morris dropping 23, Paul George dropping 22. All right, You're getting bench con- uh, contributions that are far superior than what you're getting in Dallas. I think, I think um, the Clippers bench outscored, I'm trying to do the quick math here, 6 points to 27, yeah. So was at 21 points. The bench from the Clippers outscored Dallas. It's it's right there. You can't you can't be a one man army and try to beat the LA Clippers, even despite how good Luka is. And that was their downfall. And and that's why unfortunately we're a little bit more sad boy this morning. It's because our great our great father Luka will no longer be playing this season. But you know we'll see him back next year and hopefully we can spread more cheer about him. Yep. And uh, I guess uh, you know it, it, it's. It's it'll be all right. It'll be all right. I I mean hell, you know, if Kristaps doesn't want to be in Dallas and they uh, they have another piece to 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 use to to go get players that actually want to help Luca go win games and and you know hopefully win home playoff games next year. Uh, but in the meantime, you know that. Oh my god, that would be stupid. I could never see that. I think Luca would be like that's that's a fair. It's just a fair. I think maybe it's just the European aspect of Dirt Nowitzki or whatever. But I truly do think Luca will end up being you know he'll be in Dallas you know for for ninety percent of the of the NBA career. Um, uh, That's just that's just my prediction. But who knows? Shit can break bad fairly quick. you know, the, it wasn't it wasn't just NBA. You know, we'll, we've got soccer obviously too, but of course we have to mention Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather. Which honestly, you know, Dom, we can we can definitely talk about this, but I think I think me and you are both kind of in agreement, and it really shouldn't take that long. This match, this this match, quote unquote, this exhibition, yeah, whatever, sucked, whatever you do want to call it in your vocabulary, yes. sucked at sucked ass and was you know i mean it's it's really hard to feel like this was competitive in any shape form or fashion like that this was really you know that there was going to be anything more than hugging and some you know scraping of the face basically uh because because it really it really wasn't part of me it felt like it was almost scripted you know like with all this hugging and this camaraderie and this bullshit and you know and, and that's to be expected it was a cash grab at the end of the day and you know what i'm never 
I'm never going to get on another man for... Uh, and I, I mean that li- uh, figuratively, not literally. Uh, but but I, I'm never going to, you know, give crap to a man for trying to go catch a good bag. I mean, because like Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather just caught a fat bag from eight rounds of some pretty mediocre ass boxing. You know, that's the American dream right there. Evan, I I, I love you to death. You're you're a good friend of mine and my co-host. But if that kind of money was on the table for me and you to go fake box against each other and maybe get a couple blows in the face. Brother, step in there. I'll give you a couple haymakers, and you can throw a few back, and we can go retire and go to podcasting full-time. You know, so all respect to the two of them for, for getting this money and catching this bag. But, like, why... I, I hate the argument people are like, oh, you couldn't you couldn't go buy this fight because you just couldn't afford it. No, 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 that's not the case. I just don't want to pay money to watch... A bullshit fight turned into not anything good, which is exactly what happened. And, and and it was. It was just a bad fight. It was bullshit. I mean, nonetheless, let's just also give credit. To Floyd Mayweather definitely won that fight. If there was a decision, Floyd would have won unanimously. Crazy yeah. how, how much he controlled that fight. Logan got a few good punches in there, but Floyd controlled that fight from beginning to end. Logan, Logan had the win in the first two rounds. And, I mean, I would say, you know, based on the, the you know, professional boxing people that that I that I was kind of following throughout the night you know Logan actually probably did win one or both of those first two rounds uh from you know a technical standpoint you know in terms of blows dealt all that different stuff but but at the end of the day I mean it it just I don't know man I I think I'm, I'm now curious, right, because, you know, we, we talked about is this going to be the summer of Paul? Is this going to be, you know, whatever? And it might be. It, it still might be. But I think, st- like, stuff like last night, there's only so much, like, I don't want to say good faith or whatever you want to call it. Because they're always going to have an audience. There's always going to be a ton of people that For sure. that that either want to see potentially want to see one of the Paul brothers get knocked out or, or what have you, right? But now that we've got two Jake Paul victories, a I guess a quote unquote loss for Logan Paul, and a boring ass fucking match, like the the, the you know you're you're starting to use up. Like the the entertainment kind of uh, investment or whatever you want to say, like yeah. you've got to it's got to it's got to pay off at some point, and I don't know if it's really paid off. I mean, it you know, and, and so so I think well, it'll be curious to see exactly how long they can keep going with these matchups. Yeah, if if That's if, if people aren't entertained, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of I mean, having a hard time you, expressing you, it, but no, you you really you can't keep doing this. Like, fans, obviously, the the names are always going to draw in to get you in the door, right? It's kind of that football analogy. Offense gets you in the door. Defense wins you the championship. So, like, the names of who the Paul brothers go up against are always going to get people interested. It's going to create the buzz. It's going to get people interested about the fight and possibly to go buy the subscription and the pay-per-views, right? But if, if you're if the product that you're gonna give out is that kind of quality, what we saw last night in Floyd and Logan, people are eventually, as you said, I think is what you were alluding to, people are gonna wise up and be like, "Fuck this! I'm going yeah. to illegally stream this fight because I'm not paying a motherfucking dime to watch this absolute trash." You know, like well, uh, to 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 kind of piggyback on that too. I mean, I had to write a story about it yesterday. Um, the Showtime stream that everybody paid 50 stone cold dollars for was absolute garbage 
And for the first like two and a half hours, like I think like something like I there were there were no joke like forty thousand tweets in about two and a half hours of people of different people saying, Yeah, I can't watch it. Uh, I'm getting error messages and saying, you know, whatever. And Showtime was like, Showtime came out and was like, yeah, we, uh, we're struggling the, you know, we have some technical issues, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that keep refreshing every 10 minutes and check your connection. And that just pissed off people even more where it was like, it's clearly Showtime's fault. And they're like, oh, well, you know, maybe it's yeah, just, you know, the, the, the old but, deflected, the old deflect method. I mean, there Showtime. were, <laughs> there was, there was a huge chunk of their audience that did not get to watch the Chad Ochocinco fight, the Chad Johnson fight to open up the the pay-per-view and so you know that's the other thing too and, and Triller kind of had similar issues with with servers uh when when they were streaming jake paul fights mm-hmm. so i mean you know if you don't technically get it right either then you're really really asking for trouble which you know we we brought up chad johnson's fight so we can go ahead and segue into that that dude won that fight but the only thing twitter wants to focus on is the fact that he got knocked down which you know i mean i get it you know it's it's that's that's why you why yeah. boxing is entertaining. And it, but, it, it, it's it's to be expected. I think in in a fight of that kind of atmosphere, you know, like that's not that that's not quality boxing. It's for entertainment, and, and you're always gonna plug away and take away what was the entertaining part of that fight, you know. And and that's what it was. It like it was a pretty good video watching Chad Ojo Cinco get dropped. But arguably, yes, like pound for pound, he would have won by a unanimous decision. Yeah, with, with and no uh, in my mind. No, that was uh that was pretty cool to, to 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 watch that as well. I actually that's see like former NFL players is probably the people I want to watch box the most. Yeah, like uh, Greg Hardy had a pretty decent run and is still competing in UFC. I always like watching Greg Hardy step into a, into the octagon as well. You know, uh, football football player. I mean, they're just good athletes, right? So they they obviously make for a really good product, and they just they know what the training it takes to kind of step in that ring and the mindset it takes to at least you know go there, go pound for pound and take some take some headshots well and i also i've over the past like probably three or four years and jaguars fans can relate to me on this i've actually gotten a super soft spot for chad johnson i mean i think everybody after his career ended was kind of like yeah of course we all love ocho cinco i mean you know you you might have hated him while he's playing but a personality like that it's it's really hard to not just look back at fondly at least in my opinion but um he uh, he now lives in Jacksonville. I don't know if you know that, Dom, but uh, no, he's been living in Jacksonville for a while. And like just about every, it seems like maybe once a month he just tweets out something like "I fucking love Jacksonville" or like whatever. <laughs> and uh, I, I that's always really fun and really cool to see. Gets people going, so. baby. Gets Duval yeah. County hype. Uh, and so that's you know I, it, it's hard not to 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 you know be be a little fond of him or whatever. So yeah. uh, you know overall. You know, the pay-per-view sucked. We're not even going to bother talking about the actual fights because who cares? Um, yeah. And, I, I, I yeah, will I say, mean, the one thing I wanted to say before we wrap up and go to the cash grab, I just want to say one thing about Logan Paul. I believe, though, and, and granted, when Logan Paul, if he really decides he wants to stick to this and he actually goes in the ring against someone that you can actually have a sanctioned fight against, because that's the whole thing. The, the weight classes, and people who don't know boxing, this fight would never be sanctioned to begin with unless you right. know, the because of the difference in weight class, reach, it's way too lopsided. Okay? Like no sanctioned boxing organization would ever approve of this kind of fight. Hence why it had to be an exhibition. So don't get upset at that. That's just the rule of boxing. That's what has to happen. I will say though, I think Logan Paul is n- like he's kind of good. 
like I think if he really wanted to put his mind to it, he could be really good at, at, I mean, at boxing. I, th- I think he could have a decently successful career. I I think I think I agree. I mean, it, and it's the same thing with with Jake. Is the fact that they're both and it hurts like, to say it though, right? Like you don't. They're both say really it. really good natural athletes. I mean, these guys were competitive wrestlers. Yeah. Or I know Jake was uh, uh, growing up. So so I mean, it's one of those things where it's it's not out of the complete realm of possibility. And and yeah, I don't think he embarrassed himself. He didn't look like he didn't know what he was doing. Um, I mean, obviously didn't look to the tactical level of Floyd Mayweather, but at the end of the day, I mean, Floyd, Floyd mostly just blocked. I mean, especially early on, he was, he, you know, he, he, he knew that, you know, Paul's only chance, I guess, you know, to, to, you know, if this wasn't fully scripted, fully rigged was, was Paul's only, only chance was, you know, knockout. So, yeah, so it, 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 it's in, and, and. Like I mean, like you said, there were a few different times where Paul landed some shots where you said, "Okay, all right," you know. I mean, he he scored, he scored, and and the fact that you know you can say you stepped into a into a ring with Mayweather and and landed a punch or two is is something that I mean, shit, I I, I don't you know I mean I Not can't a lot disrespect of people can say that. They did. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't I can't disrespect it, you know. But yep, yeah, hopefully, hopefully people either wise up and we at least won't have to pay fifty bucks to watch something like that anymore, or you know the entertainment goes up either way. Or you know if we can get one of those two, then then we'll be all right. Yep, and uh, you know, like I said, my my last thing is just uh, you know never gonna never gonna uh, get a nag on a man for going and catching a bag. You know, Logan and Floyd definitely got that. They got paid. Good for them. Whatever it is. But guess what? We got to go catch our bag as well. So we're going to go to the cash grab. And when we come back, USA Soccer, is it back? I think it is. Evan breaks it down. We've got USA Soccer. We've got Julio Jones news. Julio Jones news. And uh, and then we're going to talk a little baseball, a little Yankees, Red Sox. I'm going to get vocal on why I think that the luster is kind of dying out a little bit. Stay tuned. Down and Out comes back after the cash grab. What it do, guys? Dom here, and the summer season is beginning to ramp up. And if you're like most Americans, you could use a good car wash and interior cleaning to get your whip feeling like a million bucks. You're going to need to turn some heads this summer, and the best way to get your ride nice and purdy is by taking it to Apex Auto CNY in Syracuse, New York. Mike and his guys excel in customer service and promise 100% satisfaction every time. Check out Apex Auto CNY why on Facebook and tell them down and out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. This is down and out soccer time, baby. USA. Everybody shut the fuck up. <laughs> Everybody shut the fuck up. The U.S. national team just fucking beat Mexico for the first time in a competitive match since 2017. Let's talk about it. <laughs> fucking holy shit, y'all. This was... No joke. I, I don't even know what to describe that ghost noise that Dom is doing. It was supposed um, to be a siren, but then yes, it did have very Scooby Doo ghost reminiscence at the end. But yeah, it's not it October. It, it is. It is time to get absolutely talking and hyped about USA soccer because that. So whew, that felt good. This was the this was the craziest. You know, I mean, U.S. like the craziest U.S. match since. You know, probably at least 2017, which the story rivalry of U.S. And Mexico. I mean, it's it's it goes without saying. Even if you don't follow soccer, I think you could probably understand that. Oh yeah, there might be a rivalry there. 
you know, there might be a rivalry over that. God damn. That match literally had everything, and I'm not even going to be able to get to it all, so at the end of us talking about this, I'm literally going to list off all the stuff that that we don't even get to get to, but I'm going to try and, like, just break this down from, like, a kind of a, a quick recap standpoint, and then we'll kind of do a forward-thinking standpoint. For everyone that doesn't know, the U.S. played the Mex- played Mexico last night in or Sunday night in what is a new kind of tournament uh, that just came out. It was supposed to take place last summer, but obviously COVID, everything else that didn't happen. Uh, it's it's called the Concacaf Nations League, which you know, like the, there's the UEFA Nations League in Europe, there's the AFC Nations League in Asia. You know, all the different regions are doing it. Um, and the, the U.S. finally got to the final last night playing Mexico, which is kind of what everyone always expects when it comes to CONCACAF tournaments because um, it's just, you know, Central and North America, right? Um, so, this match, it, it, it's a tournament, it's it's the first year of the tournament, and, you know, you can say that when you're playing the first year of a tournament, it doesn't really mean anything, but by all accounts on both sides of the spectrum last night, that match meant a ton. That match meant a lot. And it starts with the details of the U.S. men's national team fielded their youngest team in competitive history. You know, they fielded younger teams in international friendlies before. Youngest team in competitive history last night. They said, fuck it. Our golden, like, we, you know, because we're, we're, we've got so much young talent on the team. They're just like, you fuck know. it. Can you, are you legally able to be drafted in our military? Good. You're playing on our national team tonight. I mean, essentially. Essentially. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, they said, you know what? Instead of omitting certain names like Gio Reyna or whoever, we're going to have everybody uh, uh, get in the mix. So, G, like I said, Gio Reyna, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKinney. I mean, they, you know, Sergino Des, they all play. And everyone's pretty excited coming in. You know, everyone's like, oh, hell yeah, hell yeah. You know, young team, you know, this is to us, you know, a lot of, or at least like a lot of U.S. soccer fans, the more, the most talented members of the team. You know, let's see it. Mexico scores in 90 seconds. Uh, Mexico, Mexico scores uh, before the two-minute mark as a uh, young defender, Mark McKenzie, just gives the ball away. And Mexico goes up 1-0. And you're like, all right, well, all right, everything's over. I'm going to turn this shit off. I, I literally thought about doing it. I literally was, like, considering it. But I didn't because, you know, dedicated fan, uh, a real one, if you were. Uh, uh, and then 20 minutes later, Mexico scores again. They go back and review it. They say that, uh, that that the Mexican player was offsides. I forget if it was Herving Lozano or who it was. And then 45 seconds later, the U.S. scores and equalizes. Makes it 1-1. Mexico scores again in the 77th minute with their star young player. Uh, and then the U.S. equalizes again through Weston McKinney's header. That is... We are just doing the goals here, people. I am not even getting to everything else that is going on outside of this. And then you go to extra time, penalty given to the U.S. for a, a pretty controversial decision, to be honest with you. I mean, I I don't think it was a penalty, but they give it to the U.S. I, I, I just want to give credit to the, the referee. When did you, when you watch him give that call, did you see how much gusto when he pulled? Oh, he, he yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was ready for that moment. He felt the energy. 
Like, you know, like, the I forget who the wrestler is that, like, summons up the crowd before he body slams someone into the... Like, he was getting the Every crowd wrestler. Like, yeah, basically, yeah. that's who it is. He's basically just getting the crowd hype, and he goes, penalty, points to the circle, electric moment. Well, so so it's worth noting that former Atlanta United manager, a man I love, Tata Martino, currently manages Mexico. And while the ref was reviewing that first penalty... He goes, Tata Martino, or, or no, excuse me, I actually got it mixed up. So, Christian Pulisic hits, like, like a fucking, like, slam dunk poster of a penalty. Top bins, as he described it himself, to yeah, use flawless, the British. Flawless, uh, flawless, hammered, can't stop it. Mexico gets awarded a penalty literally, like, Four minutes later, we're, we're in the second half of extra time at this point. Mexico gets awarded a penalty when it's 3-2 U.S. To, to try and equalize. And, spoiler alert, Ethan Horvath, who had to step into the game for an injured Zach Steffen, who Zach Steffen is, the, I mentioned him on the podcast actually recently, goalkeeper for Man City and the, you know, few, you know kind of understood as this, you know, the, the guaranteed number one of the future of, mm. uh, of, of, of the U.S. And... Ethan Horvath has to come in after he gets hurt, and this kid, this dude, who who really, you know, he's he's had some starts. He's played for the U.S. Men's National Team. This isn't like he got shoved out there. He's never played or whatever. But this dude steps in. Backup goalkeepers never expect to go into the match. This dude steps in and makes the penalty save in like the hundred and fifteenth minute. Absolutely the save unreal. of a lifetime, dude. And the save like- of it. Say, literally, literally, as the commentator said, the save of his life. And guess what? This match was played in Denver. This dude was raised in Denver. This dude was on the bench in his oh, hometown. I didn't know that. That's gets sick. put That's on sick. the the pitch and and makes the the game winning oh, play. I mean, That's so sick. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was from Denver. That's wild. And then and then and then worth noting, U.S. goes on the win. This man in the post game interview is like. You know, it's like, well, you know, obviously you got to be having like a beer or whatever, you know, blah, blah, this to celebrate. He goes, well, I don't drink alcohol, so I'll just take a Pepsi Max. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Like the same Pepsi Max, spe- Pepsi Max specifically was just like choice. So, no, that second penalty, uh, which was given to Mexico after a review as well on a very, very, again, another really controversial call. Um, but this is CONCACAF. This is what CONCACAF is very famous for is poor quality refereeing and, and just, you know, generally poor quality play sometimes. Uh, Tata Martino, the Mexican manager, walks over to the refs looking at the screen on the review and comes up behind him and, like, just puts his arms around their shoulder, like, smiling like he's friends with them. Like, and, like, they both get, like, shook. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not a re- soccer fan, but I don't think you can do that. I don't well, think literally, you're allowed to do that. It does not matter what your intentions are. If you touch the referee in a moment like that, that's an automatic red card. And sure enough, Tata Martino gets a red card in the middle of the review for for touching the ref. It was it was such a wild wild decision for him to do that, um, and and gets a gets a red card. The thing is, dude, it's I like I said, I can't even get to everything that happened in this match. I mean, I literally cannot. Like it is it is the most convoluted, most like absolute buck wild match I've ever seen before the match ended you had multiple different at the same time like three different Mexican fans just run into run onto the pitch when the U.S. score that 3-2 penalty the entire team goes to celebrate right because it's an extra time it's a huge goal it's a big deal 
they are absolutely pelted with trash from the Mexican fans. Uh, which also, the match had to be stopped at the very end of regular time. The match had to literally be paused for like four minutes because Mexico Mexican fans famously chant this homophobic uh, chant. Um, they they do it at every every Concacaf match pretty much. Um, and and uh, basically, new rules from FIFA have said that if you're going to chant something homophobic or racist or whatever, they will literally stop the match and then put up a PSA on the on the big screen to say, "Hey, don't be homophobic." Which you right. know, that's I trust me, I, I I love the intentions. I really do think it's something we should stop. But at the same time, if you think that's going to do shit all, you know, you you know, come on. Yeah, um, absolutely. So so the you know, like I said, homophobic chants. Trash being pelted at players. Gio Reyna got hit with a uh, a damn bottle uh, in his face. Uh, like literally, like I ah, mean, right truly, the, the the craziest shit I've ever seen. Like I mean, it it really it really was a top three all time U.S. Mexico match. It may be the greatest one ever. I mean, it's it, it's it's up there. And and you know, to to kind of do the forward thinking thing to finally get to that. This match really at the end of the day does not mean anything. You know, if if the US somehow fucks it up in in World Cup qualifying, we would look back at this and go, who cares? Who gives a shit about this match? But that being said, to go beat Mexico in a competitive setting in a match that was very, very clear that every single player was giving their all and very much gave a shit. That's huge. I mean, right. for the first time to do that for the first time since 2017, that's a big, big, big deal. And the type of confidence building kind of moment that 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 potentially we'll look at back at for all these young U.S. players and think, wow, this was a a huge deal. Like this is, you know, they they won a trophy together. They winning these types of matches together is is crucial to team building, especially when you're trying to prepare for the World Cup, when you're trying to prepare for the future. Well, and also just and, trying to build a foundation of like consistent soccer success in the in the U.S. men's national game, right? Like that's yeah. I, 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 that, that's that's incredibly important. Is to just building the foundation of long term success and whatever facet of the game you want to look at that perspective from. Exactly. And and the thing is is that the US arguably like if you go look at the goals that Mexico scored and you go look at some of the chances that Mexico had, you would say Mexico was probably the better team, especially for the first ninety minutes. I mean, the thing about Horvath too that we're not bringing up is that that dude not only saved that penalty, but he had probably three really high level, really high level, like Tim Howard S saves in the like the final like probably 20 minutes of of regular time so that the US could could maintain their spot in the game. I mean, it was it was really really impressive and 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 yeah, I mean, it's a wait and see thing. It's really hard not to be emotional right now, but in terms of the future, yeah. I mean, the it, this this I think is going to end up meaning a lot. Yeah. I, now, think, I think I think because the 4th of July is coming around, I'm just going to say that the USA is back. USA is fucking back, baby. And let, 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 let's just go rage for the next month as the 4th of July comes around, well, you know? As I mentioned <laughs> to Dom before the podcast, the Gold Cup is also happening this summer and starts in like three weeks. So we're also going to get another tournament in which the U.S. will probably play Mexico at some point. And then in the fall, we get World Cup qualifying, which if the U.S. can come out this summer with... One, they've already come out of it with a trophy. They somehow come out of it with two and and, and a positive record. 
that's exactly what you need ahead of World Cup qualifying as they as they enter the hex, so to speak. Uh, and 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 so I uh, it's it's considering that you know six months ago to a year ago there were concerns that shit the U.S. might miss out on the World Cup again. That vibe has drastically changed. Um, just because we're we're running a little bit on time here, I'm gonna go ahead and just list off all the different events that we're not even getting to. So, yeah, again, U.S. fielded youngest team in competitive history. Go down 1-0 in the second minute. Uh, Mexico's second score revoked by review. Uh, uh, U.S. equalizes. Hector Herrera, player for Mexico, gets a yellow card about 40 minutes into the game, makes two cleats-up tackles on Ethan Hor- on, on Zach Steffen, which forces him out of the game, and then on Gio Reyna, uh, Two cleats up tackles. Doesn't get a second yellow card for either. And there was also video. Again, they have video review, which they can go review things like players like spitting on each other from two minutes prior. They can review all this different stuff, right? Hector Herrera puts his hands on the neck of Weston McKinney. Like literally chokes him at one point. And this is like caught on video and reviewed by the broadcast booth. And they're like, holy shit. Hector Herrera is somehow never sent off during the match. Zach Seven has to come off, like I said. Ethan Ordovoth has to come on. Uh, Pulisic earns, not only scored the penalty, but he earned it too. Um, uh, Tata Martino gets sent off. Yeah, I mean, we, we we did actually probably get to, to pretty much everything. And yeah, Horvath wants a Pepsi Max. Get him the goddamn Pepsi Max. Um, he, uh, g- give him a commercial. Get like Make him the face of Pepsi Max now. Like, just, if you're if Pepsi, you haven't watched... If you're Pepsi, cash in on this marketing grab for the next three weeks to a month. I don't care if you... In. I don't care if you like soccer or if you dislike soccer. Whatever the fuck. Go watch this match. Go watch highlights from this match because it is absolutely buck wild whether you have a stake in the game or not this is one of the wildest like soccer matches and it's the perfect example of what CONCACAF is all about I mean it's always CONCACAF has always been known as other than the AFC the Asian the uh, the kind of Asian uh, uh, organization of, of all their national teams and stuff uh, it's it's definitely the worst quality soccer in international play but goddamn is it just wild and fun um, and it just, uh, just gets you excited for the because we're having this is gonna be such a good summer of, of soccer for all across the world and so just to have this kind of thing get get the everyday average fan ready here back in the US getting ready for World Cup qualifiers getting ready for everything else going on in the world of soccer awesome could not have asked for a betterly better timed for this kind of game to happen in, in terms of trying to get, you know, soccer popular, getting it ready for the summer here back on the home front. Awesome timing. And yeah, I, I highly recommend if you haven't watched those highlights, go watch them. I didn't get to watch any of the game cause I was working, but I did watch these highlights and they're unreal. I mean, and there's the fans throwing the trash is wild. The dude hugging the refs, maybe rubbing up, up, up against them. Maybe he was just feeling a little lonely, little sad boy, a little down and out. I don't know, but you know what? Wild stuff. And that my friends is why soccer is such a great sport. Everything summed up in that game. And you know, in four days, in four days, we've get we've got the the Euros starting. So it, it like like Dom said, it's it's an entire summer, and it doesn't uh, it doesn't stop anytime soon. So uh, get hyped! I'm hyped. Um, let's uh, let's keep it going though, because like I said, I could talk about it all night or all uh, all morning, and and 
and and I think we hit on you know the biggest things at this point. Yeah. Um, well, I, I'll keep the train going as we transition to our next thing here. You know, wrapping up the show, we got a couple more things we just need to talk about. And the one is, is I got to give you credit, is because uh, Julio Jones, obviously it's the big blockbuster trade that just happened. He's going to Tennessee. Evan called it. As we talked about on our last show, he said it right here, folks. Go back, listen to uh, episode 20 or 21, uh, whatever our last one was. Evan says it there. Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan, and your worst nightmares uh, as an Alabama fan now getting to watch you know, one of your most beloved players play for your biggest rival, arguably you know one of your biggest rivals in the AFC South. Uh, are, are you are you okay? <laughs> are you yeah. doing okay? The answer is no. I mean, the you know, it's it, there's there's some questions about where is Julio at in his career? Is he is he you know still uh, is he still that dude or or is this kind of going to be the official transition into the twilight of his career? And I hope it's the latter. I mean, I I love Julio Death. I don't want to you know I don't root for him to to to, to suck, but. But goddamn, I really, really don't want to see him torch uh, Shaquille Griffin or whoever, or C.J. Henderson or whoever uh, is guarding him uh, as uh, you know uh, when when the regular season hits. It's it's one of those things where A.J. Brown wanted it bad and made really good sense. That being said, I will be very curious to see how they fit those two players together dynamically speaking because they both kind of feel similar to me in some ways um you know it's not like julio julio is still going to be a guy that that wants to to go you know get catch these long passes and go make high point plays uh you know down the field i mean and that's kind of what aj brown likes to do too yeah um so it's it's gonna be curious to see how they fit them both in there but yeah yeah because I, I, I think it's when you see like when you see the Rappaport. i think actually diana rossini was the one who first got the scoop out so whether you see rossini Schefter, Rappaport, whoever you when you get like the the, and you knew the Julio Jones thing w- was coming, uh, so it wasn't like a total shock. But when you see it on your notification, you see the breaking news, You know, I think everybody gets the, oh, wow, huh, wow, shock factor, right? But I, I think we're all well-versed enough NFL fans, as you said. It's like, we, yeah, it's, it's a lot of us wait and see. Just because you put two stars together in a receiving core, running back room, whatever it may be on a team, it doesn't necessarily, it's going to equivalent to success. I, I, it's a lot of TBD. On paper, it looks good. But I think you brought up a good point. Is you have to see where is Julio Jones at this point in his career. What what kind of value will he bring alongside A.J. Brown? I, I, I would side more on the positive side. I think Julio, you don't... I think the, the reward definitely outweighs the, the risk of bringing in Julio Jones for sure. But it's the ceiling of that reward. It's like how high is it really going to be with Julio there? Yeah, I I think I think he can. Yeah, I mean I think that ceiling, the potential ceiling is raised extremely high at this point. I mean we are now at a point where with the Titans, the Titans defense is going to need some work. It, it still needs work, but you know defense is one of those things where we we see it every year where there's there's teams that overachieve and over you know play above what they're expected to. Offense on the other hand, you really do just have to have the juice. You have to have proven talent that you know can do it. And Julio Jones, I mean, is you know. Pretty much at at for I would say probably for about half a decade straight was the best receiver in the NFL. So I mean, of course, you know, yeah. I mean that's so I uh, I'll I'll be curious to see. I'm not completely shaking in my boots, but at the end of the day, you think about it, you put 
seven guys in the box, eight guys in the box, and you go to you know to, to defend Derrick Henry, and then Julio gets hit over the top. You know, I mean, you 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 know your safety gets exposed, and and uh, and and Julio or AJ Brown, you know, go deep and and they torch you. I mean, and then if you if you set up for that, then of course you're just giving space to Derrick Henry to say to to go average six seven yards a carry. Right, I mean, right. that's is it is it is. And in terms of play action offense as well, you know, like they obviously the Titans are one of the best at running the play action, so obviously it just creates a matchup nightmare. As to why I, I do think the rewards out, outweigh the risk in this situation, no doubt. And Julio Jones, let's just give credit to him, regardless of how old he is and how aging of a career he's he might be on right now. Arguably one of the best receivers to I, I think honestly to play the game in, in terms of what we've gotten to see growing up in our generation, yeah, absolutely w- without a doubt. I I think Julio it, it speaks for himself. He, Julio Jones is on my franchise on my Madden team. I traded for him. He's a Buffalo Bill in my world, but you know I I digress. <laughs> Nonetheless, though, I'm just yeah. imagining Dom's world, but like the D's flipped backwards, and it's all like like kind of it's like a like what you see on like a little kid's bedroom. Yeah. Dom's world. <laughs> Um, <laughs> hey, hey, wait! Breaking news: We got breaking news on the podcast. Breaking news: Juwan James just signed with the Ravens. Oh, oh, baby! Huge. Juwan James. Uh, so, so for those who don't right away know who we're talking about, Juwan James was, uh, you know, one of the best tackles in the NFL over the past uh, couple of years or so, and uh, recently was released by the Denver Broncos because he uh, tore his Achilles while working out, and um, the Ravens uh, just signed him to a two-year deal worth, I believe, nine million dollars, and it's like five hundred thousand dollars this year, and then nine million, like you know, the rest next year. So after um, so. after the Ravens get rid of Orlando Brown and send him to to uh, to Kansas City, uh, it now they filled up the hole. They they've re, they've started to replenish their offensive line. Well, with, they they signed Villanueva from the Steelers, who's going right, to start this yeah. year. He's definitely going to play for them this year, and then next year we'll see if he's around or whatever. I mean, it's right. actually really shrewd business deal from. From uh from from the Ravens because they got rid of a guy who desperately needed to be paid that they didn't want to pay him got good value for him and got a guy that you know Villanueva Steelers fans will tell you Villanueva is nothing to you know uh to to hit your wagon to per se he's not right. a star tackle in any way but definitely a serviceable one and and then you know let's say he really fits in with the system in 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 Baltimore then great job you know you've got you've got a, a really good tackle and a good fit and then worst case scenario you've got Juwan James coming uh next year after his recovery which he also filed a grievance towards the Broncos uh to to get 13 million that he that I think he is owed um you know you have to work out off off NFL campuses if you want if you want to be an NFL player your workout regimen never stops right you never it's it is 365 you know, in terms of being an NFL star, in terms of being, you know, all that kind of stuff, it is 365, and you don't have a choice. You have to go work out out when you're not allowed in the in the building. And you know, Jawan James goes and 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 is doing what he's supposed to do, and he tears his Achilles, and and the you know the Broncos said, oh well, we're going to release you, and because we're not going to have to pay you. Well, he's filing a grievance, and I I hope he wins because I think he deserves it. Um, so uh, so we'll see there, but yeah, some shrewd uh, shrewd breaking news from the uh, from the Ravens. 
Um, well, I'm, I'm just so, happy that we're still recording because obviously it's been our luck is like the breaking news happens the minute we get done recording and the po- the podcast is published. So uh, call us news breakers now. That's what Down and Out is. Uh, we're, we're you know Diana Rossini, Rappaport, Schefter. We're coming for your jobs. Uh, you, you'll know our names very soon. Yep. So yeah, that uh, that that was that was cool to get that in there as well. Dom, let's uh, let's go ahead and hit this last topic. Yeah, uh, to wrap it up here, I don't want to spend too much time on it because uh, it's it's obviously none of our rooting interest teams. But the Yankees and Red Sox, folks, uh, just got uh, got done wrapping up a weekend series, and I, I think you have to consider the fact of what was going on this weekend. It's everything we talked about, from USA Soccer to the fight to you know, there's women's college World Series softball, NCAA baseball happening. It's a busy weekend of sports for sure. I, I just. I want to say something as a baseball fan that I know baseball fans may or may not, you know, give me some flack for. But in the game of baseball, arguably, and and it probably will be to the day I die, the Yankees and Red Sox are, you know, the best rivalry in the game of baseball. And depending on how you view it, the best rivalry in the game of sports. I will say though, I think this rivalry is losing its luster. I, I I truly just could not have given two fucks that the Yankees and Red Sox were playing. And and as a fan of neither of those teams, I normally always get very excited to watch a Yankees-Red Sox series because you get some of the best moments on every side of the dugout in the game of baseball when those two teams play each other. But you know, Evan alluded it, you know, so I'll let him kind of talk about it, but he talked he alluded to it before we started recording is that I think the Red Sox having way more success during our lifetime and watching in the past 10 years or so, you know, multiple World Series compared to what the Yankees have, you know, I I think that the Yankees' inability to take the money that they can spend on some of these players, catapult it into success, has hurt this rivalry, and I think Boston has dominated it. And regardless of what the win and loss record looks like, Boston is the superior team the last 10 to 15 seasons. It goes without saying, I think, ladies and gentlemen, that we are coming to the point where unless something drastically changes in the next se- this season or the season afterwards, this, this whole matchup, Boston versus New York, is just becoming not that great anymore. And I personally just think that the young stars of baseball are going to start superseding any sort of this whole get hyped for the Boston New York Yankees rivalry talk. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing is that it's, it's the, you know, like I, like, like you mentioned, um, you know, the Yankees not really being, you know, a, a, a powerhouse in baseball since probably, you know, we were toddlers basically at this point. Um, I think that's drastically affected it too. Of course, he had some competitive years and whatnot, but even then, the Red Sox always seem to have their number. And on top of that, I another just kind of thought that's coming to my mind about this is that you know I don't really think there's just a a ton of um, you know big personalities on either team right now. You know that's always been a big part of it too. Where you know, for example, in the the mid to late two thousands, of course, it was very alive and very well because. You know, the Red Sox not only had a great team and the Yankees had a very competitive team too, but they had names that one, you know, you really, really cared about, whether that's a legend like Derek Cheater or, you know, I mean, you think about uh, Manny Ramirez who and David Ortiz, like you think about those guys who Johnny Game and Alex Rodriguez. Like these are guys that help bring up the game of baseball for, you know, people my age and older. Absolutely. I think that goes without saying. 
huge names and also player. I mean, obviously David Ortiz is a huge dude and a huge personality. Ramirez yeah. was always a huge personality. I mean, you know, these, whatever. And, 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 and even though there are stars on either side of the team, like Aaron judge and, and, you know, I, I think of like Xander Bogarts, right? Like, you know, and they're, and they're fun, really talented baseball players to watch. They're not like these guys that you go, I can't break away. You know, if Fernando, if like, you know, I mean, it, this is, this is, you know, if, it, this is kind of like a, almost like a nonsensical, uh, 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 thing to say, but like, for example, it's like if both of those teams boasted players like Fernando Tatis and, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, like even a, a Shohei Otani or something, you know, these kind of like really unique, really fun to watch, exciting players that, mm-hmm. that are currently the face of the MLB, like then you would be, you would be stoked about it. But the the reality is, is that the face of the MLB is not in Boston or New York right now. I mean, it's really not. I mean, it's kind of hard to say what the face of the MLB is at the yeah, moment. I, I still, I, it, it, I don't say this. It's just as an Angels fan. It absolutely is Mike Trout. But I don't. I, it's. I don't know if it'll be like that forever. I mean, because the Angels. But Mike Trout's not. Because the Angels can't get into a damn playoff series. Whereas Fernando Tatis and Ronald Acuna are probably going to be playing in playoff series in the very near future. So. And. And, and I think that it just. Again, in terms of the old school baseball fans, the ones who were always going to stick around, regardless of how much the sport was going to continue to tank are always going to look at the Boston-New York thing as, you know, the greatest rivalry in sports. It's something that's always must-watch TV. But that that viewership, that fandom is very much fading away, and a lot of those fans are transitioning into what the new wave of MLB fans are coming up with, which is what you brought up. Fernando Tatis, Ronald Acuna, you know, Mike Trout, like the young faces, the talent of baseball that's bringing in new fan base. And I think it's just because of the new fan base siding more with the players over the teams themselves is to why I think the Boston-New York rivalry is just going to become less and less of a big deal unless, you know, you get, as you said, big names that come back and make that rivalry electric again, which I will say would be insane if you had, like, you know, big names like those we just mentioned on either one of those teams playing against each other. It does absolutely. I can, I can definitely back. see if I, I. The more I think about it, the oh more my I'm god! Like, the, what, what stops the Yankees from ever like you know trying to like do a blockbuster trade for a Tatis Acuna? Right? I, I thought I know. for a minute. I thought for a minute the Yankees were going to go after Trout, and I thought Trout was going to go become a Yankee, which would have sucked. <laughs> it would have sucked so much. Same I just Boston. like Boston could do the same thing. When I when I think about Tatis in a New York Yankees jersey, it just it you seems throw up so. In your mouth a little bit because well, it, but I, I it seems inevitable. Like no, I love I don't I, I I would love for Tatis to be with the Padres for for fifteen years, but but it almost feels inevitable in a way. But we'll see. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I think it's just it's just one of those things where I think it's representative where those two franchises are at right now, which the Red Sox are obviously very good at the moment, but but or or have been good over the past half decade, while the Yankees not so much. But I think it's also just it's kind of the state of baseball, you know. I mean, the the fact that is is that you know there are young players that are exciting to watch and are getting you know cut people back into the sport a little bit, but a lot of people are soured on baseball right now, and and it's it's. That, that only translates, you know, harshly to to big rivalries, especially when those big rivalries are kind of out of favor, uh, yeah. like like it is like that is right now. And it also made me ask, what is the biggest rivalry in baseball right now? What is the most relevant rivalry in in MLB? I mean, I can't. Maybe um, I'm, it, it, I would. 
I, I have, I honestly couldn't tell you. I mean, part of me brings up the Braves and Nats, but that's just because the Nats won the World Series and the Braves nah, almost, uh, almost did. I, I think for a minute you could have made, you could have made the argument about. Um, um, I'm trying to think who did uh the, was it the Yankees Astros had had a kind of a moment there. Well, Astros, I was going to say Astros Dodgers in the in the Well, yeah, I would say series. that's that's the thing is just like it's like the two teams you would associate the most together right now is Dodgers Astros. Like and that's not even a true rivalry at the end of the day, you know what I mean? Like it's yeah, it just because, is like, more the, the, circumstance. The, because the biggest West Coast rivalry in baseball for years just by name, not even t- was Dodgers Angels uh, in the freeway series, but that's just for name. That's not for quality because the Dodgers have dominated that series in the last few years. But yeah, I guess yeah, and it's tough because, and I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because I think if, if baseball wants to attract the new viewership, new fan base, it does need to rely on just focus on the players that you have, focus on the young talent. Vlad Guerrero Jr., a guy we didn't bring up in this conversation at all, leads the MLB with 18 home runs. Dude, and he's old as fuck. Dude is mashing right now, mashing right now, you know, and like that. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with Boston and New York like not having the spotlight anymore of this big rivalry. I'm okay with that right now, honestly. I'm good. I'm good yeah, with where fine. baseball's at. I'm okay with it, and I, I think most fans are gonna be okay with it too. I uh, I actually this is a total random tangent that I'm just gonna add right here at the very end. But been playing a ton of MLB the show recently, and um, big baseball and. Game. Yeah, big baseball guy. Uh, but finally learning who more than like two players on each team is, so that's cool. Um, but but uh, they, you know, San Diego Studios made that game, so they decided to say, fuck it, we're just going to put Tatis on the cover and we're going to go hardcore on the San Diego vibes on the game, which I actually think was, you know, if, if I was... If I was a, a hardcore baseball fan, I might be I might roll my eyes at that, right? Because it's like, wow, there's tons of other players and other teams that, you know, are probably more deserving. If I was a Dodgers fan, I would feel like, what the fuck? You know, I mean we finally won the you know, we, we got redemption, all that different stuff and and it and, and now this entire game is centered around a guy who has had, you know, a breakout season basically, right? Right. You know, a twenty two year old with a breakout season. But really in the current state of baseball, it works out perfect. Because it's Absolutely. just like hard to, it's hard to like, it's like, it's, it's hard to feel especially attached to, to much of it at the moment, but you know, so, so piggyback behind the one guy that like, no matter who you are, you're like, wow, this guy's fun to watch. So, um, come, uh, come embarrass me in the show fans. If you're playing it, hit me up on Twitter or uh, hit us up on our Twitter, which is down in out podcast at down in Letter in out podcast on Twitter where we uh, we post uh, you know episode updates and and occasionally uh, uh, tweet about other stuff too and and uh, and have some fun. We're gonna try and get more and more active on there. But uh, you know, me and Tom got full time jobs and uh, got big boy job. We put on our big boy pants. And we put on well, our big you know, boy as, pants. as sports sports reporters, sports people who work in sports. You know, we're we're weirdly in the point right now where we're coming we're coming to an end on it soon. But you know, the past like two months is kind of the only time in you know before the fall that sports are truly truly crazy for for people like us and, and you know and news and stuff like that in general. Uh, and so 
you know, we we get a little bit of a breather over the next two months, I would say. Once uh once I guess we call it softball and baseball ends for you, Dom. You're you're kind of yeah, you kind of get you, you get about a month lull before you know high school football ramps up, college football obviously ramps up down here in the yeah. south. But yeah, you, you do get like a month lull. So you know, a, a, as we become more available and things like that, that's when we plan to start doing a little bit more. Again, you know, if you don't see us posting episodes right away, it's just because we're busy. But we promise we're always getting the content ready. We're always here for you guys because, as we always say, we're a podcast made by the people for the people. Uh, you know, Evan shouted us on Twitter. Make sure you go share us and like us, download, subscribe. Uh, whatever it may be, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, go find us there. Shout out JD Buddha and Masters. Uh, J- JD Masters and Buddha, excuse me. JD Buddha uh, and Masters. JD Buddha. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great, great, great name right there, but I'm not going to disrespect our good friends of the show. Uh, Man in the Mirror, go check them out. Uh, that's our intro and outro song. YouTube, SoundCloud, anywhere you stream music. Uh, JD's got a bunch of great beats that he's been doing a beats challenge on Instagram. I highly go recommend you check him out at JD Masters. Buddha always laying down the fresh rhymes. Go check him out as well. He's fire. Friends of the program, as I said, we're friends with them. We appreciate you guys always sticking in, listening to us. The down and out stands. We're still so early on that everybody listening is a day one OG. You're always going to get discounts on the merch line when we drop it because you're day one OG stands, and we appreciate you always. Evan, before we go, any any uh, parting words, wide words of wisdom to leave people off with here on this Monday? Um, no, just uh, feeling feeling electric after uh, the USMNT's win yesterday, and and uh, it's 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 there's it's it's nice to have some newfound hope, especially after a pretty depressing soccer season from my perspective. So uh, this is just another pitch for uh, for for the soccer haters out there to to get into the sport. I'm talking to you, uh, Charlie Dodge. Um, uh, <laughs> come on, you know it's it the water feels. Honestly, it's scalding hot. It is. Uh, it's a little too intense, but but that's why we love it, and that's why we love sports. So, uh, yeah. Well, there it is, folks. I, I couldn't agree more. We'll talk more about soccer as obviously the the next few weeks and this month ramps up. Tons of soccer to get to. Tons of sports. A lot of fun stuff coming up here. But we'll tune back in uh, probably later this week. We'll give you guys another episode. Sure, as I said, go follow us on Twitter. Instagram, uh, or well, follow JD Buddha Masters on Instagram, uh, Google, Apple, Spotify, anywhere you stream our podcast. This has been Down and Out. It's a lot of fun, guys. Until next time, Arriva Derchi. Later. It's complex, seeing all the strings, and I hate it, but don't feel sad for a guy that is mad. Get glad and help me turn into a guy like that. Castle, pull up on the scene and cause a hassle. Happy looking at me like, who is this bastard? Cool like guys, fix pop like medicine that isn't really yours but you take it with your friends cool calm collected but i love to act hectic sitting in the corner in the dark like riddick with the notepad out thinking about lyrics i ignored your story because i didn't want to hear it bitch did you ever really catch a switch where i went from rock to boot a the vibe like a fish assist like white chocolate handing out a dish if the devil shows up then my soul he just wish i might accept the offer because i want to grind like cause and get the trophy to my mama, make him sweat like a sauna Cause act like I can't, then I'ma spit like a llama Take your girlfriend out and give a Balenciaga So check me out, fill me up and watch me bounce Cause the new man in the mirror is looking like a mouse Switch places, change faces, now Buddha runs a house Trust hip-hop more than bitches, so I'ma take her as a spouse Or at least a concubine, if in front of my guy
feel divine I'ma grab it like a shield and I'ma make it shine Cause when I'm polished I'll abolish if you cross the line That's how I am feeling Keep growing like a giant go through the ceiling Man in the mirror doubled up now you all the fuck We go again but when we stop blazing Boom boom pow pow what you gonna do now Especially when I bring the energy like it's a pow wow Besides find a man page your face cause you a damn clown Look around only one that is and I'm awake now The name is Buddha bitch Damn, uh, Look around only one that is and I'm awake now